you can't really see it in this light here. But when I was like four, I ran full speed away, like playing with one of my uncles. I ran full speed, wasn't looking where I was uh, running, and then turned at the exact wrong second and went right into the the side of the doorway and split my forehead open. I got two stitches. And you can fucking see that scar without any goddamn problem looking at me. Split my head open by getting smacked in the skull with a fucking hammer and filling it with liquid skin. No one's the wiser. Wow. The human body is a mystery. Yeah. That's that's crazy. You, you you certainly sound, uh, I don't know, that, that sounds superior to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, superior. Much like the story we're covering tonight. Yay! I said tonight, like, we're not recording this in the wee hours of the day. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Kids, it's time to check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. With over 30 podcasts that encompass everything from horror to video games to comic books, and so much more, you're bound to find the shows for your taste. Whether it be Nerds of Unusual Origin, That Strange Show, Retro Red Octopus, Splash Pages, Throwdown Thursday, The Horror Squad, Still Token with. My God, man, I can't read all of these. So just feel free to play and experiment with the Dork Eating Podcast Network. There are over 30 shows chock full of dirty goodness to sink your ears into. And they're all available on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Yeah? All right. Hey everybody, I am Powerful Brandon, and you are listening to Comics Paradox, the podcast in which we discuss all kinds of alternate reality tales and takes on characters and stories you may already know and love. Uh, joining me as ever, two fine fellows, uh, we'll have them say hi. We'll start off with uh, Mr. Justin Cooper. Say hi to everybody, Justin. Hey everybody, it's Justin Cooper. Wow. Um, good what stuff. you get. That's what Quality. you get. Quality. <laughs> Quality. <laughs> and uh, also... Uh, last but not second, Mr. Leo Pond. Say hey to everybody, Leo. Hey to everybody. There we go. Couldn't couldn't have, couldn't have gone full Gracie <laughs> Allen and said Leo at the end of that, huh? Wow, nope. bang up stuff. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to be covering the story Superior uh, by Mark Miller and uh, Lionel Yu, uh, art by Lionel Yu, that is. And um. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting story. It's about seven issues. We're not gonna pour over every single detail of every issue because, uh, quite frankly, uh, we 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 feel that our time and your time could be better spent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Mark Miller, uh, we've covered uh, several books of his uh, over the past, uh, you know, couple of months. And uh, this is going to be the last one for a while. Uh, I do think that we've seen uh, some some ebbs and flows with his approach to storytelling. I do think this is one of the better ones that we've covered. Uh, because as I've said previously, if, if he were, a a, a Lord in the British empire, his, his name would be, uh, Lord Edgington. <laughs> like he is, he is the edge Lord to, to, to an nth degree in what we know as like modern comics. He, he took a lot of the stuff that we saw being developed from, uh, UK writers coming through in vertigo and just like ramped it up to the point where the substance was was drummed out and it was it was all style. And it's 20 uh, years after that point. I mean, like after Sandman and, you know, Death, the Lonely Place of Dying and stuff like that. Like after all of that, like now we're looking at, oh, this is 2001 and he's releasing Wanted. So it's like, OK, completely different vibe, completely different environment. You know, Limp Biscuits around messing people up, Eminem, you know, like that kind of stuff. And um, I, I was I was talking to someone about this, and they were like, "Oh yeah, did you notice this stuff about um, how Eminem and and you know was supposed to be in Wanted, and it like goes into the lyrics and stuff like that?" I'm like, "No, because I don't listen to Eminem. I never know that." So, <laughs> so I, I, mean, I guess there's like Easter eggs for people who are familiar with like like the certain. Like, I genre. mean, I doubt it. To be perfectly honest, I really do. I don't. I, I do not think that Eminem was ever going to be cast in want to the movie i think no no i mean like the music like if you're into the music of eminem like there's stuff in wanted that you would probably get more out of it mm, yeah that doesn't seem that doesn't seem like it. that seems to me to be a case of people hearing what they want to hear in things because that happens a lot with comic book fandom like and uh like i've said it before in in other shows we've done and i may have i may have iterated it here previously but let me reiterate if that's the case uh not everything has a coded fucking message to it sometimes <laughs> a cigar is just a cigar you know there's but that's know, what they want you to think yeah alien yeah yeah <laughs> shut up leo it is like such such a dangerous thing i know you don't really think that Welcome leo. back to our review of Skinwalker wrench although, although our good friend <laughs> mr pond has been guilty of saying like oh i don't know this seems like that i'm like no leo that's not the thing. Stop he just it. poses the question, Brandon. That's all he does. No, he doesn't. You to determine. <laughs> he does just, not. It's like Jonathan Frakes. You decide. <laughs> yeah. Ancient Fiction alien theorists would say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the vaguest of statements. <laughs> oh my god. But uh, yeah, there's um, there's some interesting uh, some interesting stuff that you can that you can see. But really, when it comes down to it, uh. I, I listened to Eminem, Slim Shady, and all that stuff uh, for a while back at the time where, like, Wanted was was coming out. And I can honestly tell you, like, never – as a comic book, like, nerd and someone who likes a, a, a vast array of music, and I'm pretty good at picking up on patterns, too. I think you guys have, have noticed that. Uh, not once was I ever like, oh, yeah, that's that's a clear reference to, to Mark Miller's Wanted. No. People, people just wanted there to be something there because they, deep down, were holding out hope that Eminem was going to be involved with. No, it no, no. Because... I, I was saying the other way around. Like, there's references to Eminem's music in the story, not 
not there's there's references to wanted in Eminem stuff the other way around. What? No, there's not. I I can tell you like at the point in time where Wanted came out, I had I had Eminem's albums and not once even in the reread did I think to myself even though Wes is made to look like Eminem, did I think to myself like, "Oh yeah, this is just like that song." No. No, that's that's fair, man. I I could not confirm nor deny because I've never listened to an Eminem album. It's just it's I mean, not my scene. If somebody wants to prove me wrong on that, by all means, go to comicsparadox.com and yeah, check, uh, check it out. You know, throw throw me throw me a message and you know, give me your citations. I would absolutely love to go through and, and, and check it out. And if I'm wrong, I will I will gladly come on to the next episode and be like, by the way, here's a correction from the last episode. Just saying. Uh but from my own personal experience listening to his music uh, and still owning his music and rereading, having read Wanted a couple of times, you know, different stages in my life, that sounds like a bunch of bullpucky. Which is fair. I, I, I can't confirm it. It was just kind of his his take on it and i'm like well that's cool because he had a fond remembrance of it and i'm like that's like i, I mean, was telling like, him i'm like i don't after just reading it again i'm like i didn't and, like it <laughs> that'd be like somebody saying like oh you know uh you know on two princes album pocket full of kryptonite i mean on uh two princes yeah on spin doctor's <laughs> album pocket full of kryptonite you know uh he, he wrote the song jimmy olsen's blues obviously about jimmy olsen but did you know that the song two princes is also about batman and superman Oh, why? Because you want it to be? Shut the fuck up. He's got a big seal on his jacket, Brandon. Well, you see, one guy's really rich, and the other guy, okay, yeah, shut up. Just just shut your mouth. Just Is stop. Lois Little Miss Can't Be Wrong? And that's the thing. Lois Lane, <laughs> uh, she's she's like, she, you know, and it's about her and Clark breaking up, and that's why Jimmy is uh, <laughs> trying to, yeah, all right, we, yeah, sure. And, Look, um, there's no universe that Jimmy Olsen has a chance with Lois Lane. I'm just saying. There's oh, not there, a universe there, that's there been invented. There might be a universe where that's the case, but it's one in which Clark Kent is not an entity. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Flat out. I um, uh, I saw them live in a... Uh, they, they played a unannounced gig at a uh, uh, bar in New London. Nice. Just like test out some stuff. And a friend of mine worked there and he said, hey, Spin Doctors is going to be here tonight. And uh, I, I went, saw them, and hung out with them after the show. Bought them a beer. It, it was like nice. the coolest night ever. Fuck they, you! They dude. seemed That's like awesome. they were fun, you know, back in the day. They're like, yeah, it's the only kinda... band I've ever heard of that had to break up from their hardcore use of marijuana. What? <laughs> I, I, I thought it was like donuts or something, like a lot more tame. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just fucking around. I, and I, now I, they're I, Nickelback. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Don't you dare! <laughs> don't you dare! Their first album was good. I don't even care. Nickelback? Yeah, that's Silver Side. I don't. Up. Listen, I, don't I don't. I don't listen. I don't have a a, a like a, a real partiality to Nickelback's music. They proved me wrong. I will say. Um, oh yeah, like time. <laughs> yeah, time. Well, they and time proved me wrong because I remember when uh, this is how you remind me came out. And when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is a, eh, whatever. Fine. I mean, it doesn't. You're like, that's acceptable. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you know, like, I'm tired of living like a blind man. I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling. Well, blind men uh, don't have sight. So that line makes none of the sense. But sure, whatever. It, it fits the cadence of what you're saying. Um, but I, I remember my friend Harry 
he was like, yo, these, uh, my friend Harry is, is uh Guatemalan. So he, he sounded a bit like, and I'm not saying this to be me. He sounded a bit like uh Slowpoke Rodriguez from Looney Tunes. He'd be like, yo, this band is really good, man. And uh, I was like, e- I don't, I think, I, I mean, I know opinions are sub- subjective, but I think you might be wrong, dude. I don't think they're a good band. Like, I don't, I think you should not hang your hopes up on hearing more from them. Because this has all the feel of a one-hit wonder to me. And boy, oh boy, was I incorrect. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, you could be like, you know, I think Crush Groove is going to be the bigger movie than E.T. <laughs> E.T., I yeah. will tell, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, man. Time's still going to tell on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's okay, Brandon. We've all had predictions like that. We're like, oh, that's going to be the biggest thing since sliced bread. And it's like, oh, Pogs just didn't take off. Well, you know, I think I'm better with with calling it on on story than yeah. I am with music, uh, and that might partially be because for me, I I grew up, you know, not being able to listen to anything made after like 1977 for like my formative years, not until I was in like high school. Um, and it's not like I grew up like very sheltered. It's just, my dad was like, no, I we're in the car. We're listening to the music. I like, like, yeah, you know, that's fair. It's your car. You pay the insurance you're driving. Who can argue with that? And not for nothing. My dad didn't listen to like crappy music. Not like he he was like listening to the Kingston trio or anything. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, who liked, you know, the doors and, and, and shit like that. So, I mean, I don't like the doors personally, and that's something that over time I realized like, oh, my dad really likes the doors, but I don't think I do, <laughs> you know, and and that's fine. Uh, but I grew up listening to a lot of classic rock. And when I say classic, I don't mean the stuff that people think of as classic from like the 70s. I mean, 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, I, I knew more songs by the Beatles than by like, I, I can't even think, by Foo Fighters when I was in seventh and eighth grade, you, you, you know what I mean? Um, but regardless of all that, enough of that palaver. Um, you kind of sound we, like the main character in this book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, superior. So, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty decent premise. This one, um, you know, any, it's essentially, the reason we're covering it here is because it, it, it breaks down to being Mark Miller's version of Shazam. Um, we have a, a young kid who's given the ability to turn into a superhero. Um, it's not specific that he's going to be the superhero. He's given one wish, and that is he turns into his favorite on-screen, like uh, silver screen superhero, Superior. Um, there's a little bit of a, a bleed over with Superman as a character because it's clear that this superior is supposed to be um, analogous to uh, Christopher Reeve and Superman from the film series. Uh, and, Looks like Ben Affleck or something, though. Yeah, there. I mean, you keep in mind when this was made, and Ben yeah. Affleck is a pretty tall, square-jawed dude, so that that stands to reason. I mean, I don't, I don't think that. Let me let me put it this way. I do think that a voice modulator for Ben Affleck as Batman was the right move because he sounds way too much like a New England loudmouth. 
uh, with the pitch of his voice. It, it, you know, and that's not a knock against Ben Affleck. I, I like him. Um, but yeah, like we get this, we get this kid. He has, he has a cerebral palsy, I think. No, not cerebral palsy. Um, Parkinson's Parkinson's disease. Uh, multiple scrolls. Oh, multiple sclerosis. I apologize. <laughs> I'm confusing it. I'm, I, I, part of it is, uh, there's a little bit of a Freddie Freeman thing with yeah. this. So yeah. more so than Billy Batson. Um, but, uh, there is, I think, also a little bit, and this is like jumping back into the way back machine, but I do believe in the original movie serials for Captain Marvel. Uh, and it is important to note, too, that Superior, the character in this, ha- it wears a giant red suit with like a white cape, which is 100% Shazam Captain Marvel. Um, but uh, I do believe that in the serials, um, that start the the old Republic serials for Captain Marvel, that Billy Batson w- was injured, and he he did have a limp. And when he said the magic word Shazam and turned into Captain Marvel, he was you know physically able again. Granted, he wasn't a kid; he was he was a, a grown man who said the word. But uh, I I do think there's like a little bit of bleed over into it, and and I don't I sincerely doubt that mark miller was not aware of the republic <laughs> serials um you well know, that's even the- even later in the story that's like he says the name and that's you know how he changes back yeah I I uh, pretty pretty sure i think he even does like a like a flash of light coming from the sky we, we we'll we'll look yeah we'll we'll check oh, it out I, when I we know get the there one you're talking about yeah yep yeah. okay when he when he makes a decision yeah um so so the the kid um what the hell is his name again simon pooney and he's actually named by that because there was a charity auction held to name the main character and uh, the person that the person that won was simon pooney and he chose his own name cool that is very cool i mean imagine if i had won what a what a fucking lame alter ego that would be like brandon powers really okay do, do you really want to be immortalized in a mark miller story though <laughs> i mean you get your choice in life and it's like you, you could be like a dc you know superman sidekick and be like thanks superman no thank you mr powers you know and then it's like i still think the- I, I still think that's fucking lame like no matter what like it's hard for for somebody with my last name to be taken seriously in the already ridiculous medium of superhero flights and tights comic books. Simpsons did it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the closest we got was Power Pack in Marvel, where all the kids' oh, last yeah, name was yeah. Power. That's and good... uh, it's all right. Uh, but regardless, what, this what's kid... His, what's his buddy's name? I um, Do you remember his friend's name? In this? Yeah. Oh, God, no. I didn't but I didn't that's, put that's any an important thing. He's got kind of like a, a helper, like a good friend of his from his days in the basketball team. That's kind of like he goes sees movies with him. They read comics together and they're obsessed with with like this uh, Superman character superior. Yeah, it's actually it's mostly just Simon who's obsessed. It, it's it's his friend who just kind of like tags along. He's like, listen, this is what my friend's into and his life sucks. So we're going to do the stuff he wants to do, which is honestly like 
a pretty good friend. <laughs> like the kids oh, stuck absolutely. by him, you know. Um, but the whole thing is like the kids getting picked on by other people, and it's it's just an awful scene. And uh, eventually, we get to a point where the kid, you know, we see uh, there are some his his mom stops some bullies from picking on him. He goes back home. He, his mother and father both really care about him, both love him, and they're both really trying to do everything they can to, to make his life bearable. Uh, but he's just getting weaker and weaker all the time. He can't use the bathroom by himself now. He can't bathe himself. Uh, and then by we get to, like, the end of it in – well, I shouldn't say at the end of it. We get to a point where the kid wakes up and there's a fucking tiny little monkey in an astronaut get up <laughs> on, on the foot of his bed. It's just like, uh, I'm my name's Orman and I'm here to make you a serious proposition. And the kid's reaction, which I think is well warranted, uh, is a, a resounding. Holy shit. <laughs> Mom, dad, there's a monkey in my room. Uh, I mean, I would have said talking monkey in my room, but <laughs> or or even space monkey. Yeah, space monkey. <laughs> uh, I think they prefer chimp. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, the monkeys, you know, and the kid, the kid does say like, you know, get away from me. And how are you talking? And then all of a sudden, we get what I think of as the galaxy quest scene, and it there's just like an orrery of of worlds uh above the kid's head and he's like standing in a beam of light uh i didn't really notice it until right now but like all those what's the deal with all those individuals in the background hmm it's clearly like a bunch of people watching and i never i never really paid much attention to that previously um i did not blow up the panel to the size that we have right here as we're looking at it yeah, the the art's got some nuance to it. It's it's really it's really well, tight it's, li- it's Lionel U. Yeah, you know he he's he's great. Um, but yeah, the the monkey says his name is Orman, and out of six billion people, uh, because that was the population of planet Earth at the point in time that this book came out, uh, you've been selected out of six billion candidates. You were deemed the most appropriate, and. Uh, the kid's like, for what? And he goes, the magic wish, of course. And as soon as he says it, the kid turns into superior, red suit, white cape and all, or black and white cape and all. And uh, he drops his crutches and, you know, it's like, what have you done? And he's like, just go home and show me what you can do. I'll explain everything in one week. He, he does kind of look like the Sentry from Marvel, who was also oh, yeah. drawn by the same artist. So, um, you know, and kind of a large part of the reason why he looks like the Sentry, though, is because instead of a, a chest insignia, they give him a rather large, ornate uh, torso buckle. Yeah, much like the Sentry has, like instead of a big S on his chest, because that would be a little too reminiscent of another particular superhero. We we covered that one on on Paradox, we, right? Like we the, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a it was a fun episode. I I really liked that one. I love the story. I it's the initial uh, introduction to the century that we covered. Uh, I don't really I don't really care for the approach to the character after that miniseries was done by Paul Jenkins, um, and J- and Jay Lee because it was perfect. And 
I think it's it's really okay to have a successful short-term self-contained story. I think if they just left the century as it was with the end of that tale, the character would be far more meaningful because there's nothing about that story that says it couldn't or didn't happen. So, so there's there's one thing about that story that sticks out to me. So Leo, his friend, his name yeah. is Reed Richards. He has <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he, has, he has these friends. Wait, and, he's, he's, that sounds familiar. Where have I heard that name before? Oh, was it? He had three friends. There was like four of them. They're four. They're, oh, they're kind fantastic, of fantastic. You know, fantastic. They they have this spaceship and they're the shielding. And, was it uh, four or five of them? No, it was, no, it was, it was only four. It was four. So you, I can understand your confusion because you would think that they might be like a robot or something. Um, yeah, yeah, that's way later. <laughs> like really animated robot, but uh, no, no, just uh, four. But there's an evil doctor, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, as, I mean, as there always evil, is. evil is a <laughs> e evil is a. Well, it's a matter it's of it's a point it's of view, I suppose. But well, it's Doctor Smith, right? And uh, he's kind little, of Will Robinson. Guy. Yes, yes, exactly. He was his nemesis was a a boy hungry scientist, a mincing Ooh, boy Andrew. hungry scientist. <laughs> Quiet, you nickel plated nitwit! But uh, danger, danger, <laughs> danger, danger! Will Robinson, don't go anywhere alone with that man. And just throw some Buck Rogers in, bitty bitty bitty. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Century. I like excellent, this show. <laughs> excellent story. Um, and I do, I do highly recommend it. If if uh, you've been checking out anything we do here, go back and and uh, find the episode we did for the Century. Uh, it's all listed on ComicsParadox.com. You can listen to them right there on the site, or uh, over on uh, Good Pods, which is a, a relatively new app. Uh, it's a lot of fun over there. It's sort of taken the place of Stitcher, uh, which uh, I like the accessibility of it altogether. Um, it's a little, it's a little bit more user friendly, I think. So, but otherwise, you know, just if you like podcasts in general, just go find where they put podcasts. Don't worry, I'll cover that part again at the end of the goddamn episode. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, but yeah, like the Century, there's definitely a little bit of a similarity in in design approach. Uh, you know, I'm glad that this didn't become uh, the norm moving forward for a lot of a lot of different approaches to these types of characters. Um, it it seems like the three that that spring immediately to mind um, in order of appearance are Hi Hyperion the century and superior otherwise you know let's stay away from the the belt buckle insignia like the large torso shit like not everybody needs to look like a super powered professional wrestler I yeah, mean, yeah. I, we're I, already I, at the ridiculous proportions of muscles as it is no need to take the extra step um well, we could throw prime in there too i think he had one oh no prime had the fucking gigantic p on his chest in the triangle Boom! Didn't you have a belt as well? Yeah, but that wasn't the symbol. Oh, Ooh. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, because this what, looks like the WCW Championship belt. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> fucking. Oh, oh yeah. So you can also, you can also throw Home Homelander in there. Oh yeah, Homelander. He's got a big belt, right? Mm, or no, he he's got have... the Golden Eagle, doesn't he? No, he's got he's got the shoulder dealy. Yeah. He's a bad man. 
Yes, he is. And to <laughs> everyone out there who thinks that Homelander is just like the fucking cat's ass, you need to reassess some shit because <laughs> yeah, I bet you think that Rick from Rick and Morty is fucking great too. <laughs> you know, like and I'm saying that as someone who enjoys the boys and the show Rick and Morty, but like, oh, yeah, it's tricky. Um, cause like I'm a, all right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a little more subtle though. Yeah. It's definitely a lot more subtle. I'd say we're, we're looking for all the listeners. We're looking at a picture Leo pulled up of the Homelander. So he, he doesn't uh, from, have from the, from the television thing. show, the boys yeah. as, as portrayed by Anthony Starr. Um, this is a great costume though. I, I have to say that like, it That's is top notch. It, it's so crazy too the the lifts that they have to have Anthony Starr wear to play the character because he's he's not like incredibly tall. He's you know he's not like the six foot four that they make the the Homelander appear to be. Um, but as as I was saying, you know his it, real superpower is his hair. Ah. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, it's pretty funny because, like, he wears glasses and he actually has dark hair in real life, not not blonde hair. Uh, and I remember that he did an interview where he still had, like, a little bit of blondish in his hair, but he had grown it out just a bit. It wasn't, like, combed back the way it, it is on the show. And he's wearing his glasses and, and like, a, just, like, a, a button-down, like, flannel. And, you know, it says Anthony Starr. And people are like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he talking about the boys? And I was like, you know, you people are all the same dickheads who say how stupid it is that no one could figure out that Clark Kent and Superman were the same person, right? Like, you, you get that right now? That you're living exactly the shit that you say is dumb in comic books and movies and television shows? Like, you literally looked at the same guy who had his hair just done in a slightly different way, wearing glasses, and you couldn't tell that it was the same person. It's amazing to me. <laughs> but re- regardless of all that, um, the kid That's finds out he has. <laughs> yeah, the the kid the kid finds out he has powers. He's superior. Uh, he flies off, um, and he goes. Oh, Chris is his friend's name, uh, and he he goes to see his friend Chris, and he's just like, "Oh man, like I'm really scared, man. This is some." I'm I'm in deep shit. Doc, you got to help me. No, that sorry, that's that's wrong. Um, <laughs> no one looks out their window in this. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like I I just don't I don't understand how nobody fucking Oh, there's a a rather large man in a full red bodysuit with a black and white cape sticking against the wall sitting on a windowsill talking to that that young black boy. Ah, eh, this is probably fine. <laughs> like what? No, I don't. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> I don't know, Tim. <laughs> that sounds so heavy. There's that word again. I'm stuck on a fucking Back to the Future thing now. <laughs> um, this is yeah, a very so, Spider-Man sort of moment. It definitely is. Like it yeah. looks like Peter Parker, like sticking against the wall. Um, you know, Simon comes in as superior, and of course, Chris is freaking out. They go to the woods, and they're just trying to test his powers. And he's he's pretty fucking powerful. He's got all the vision stuff, all the strength. Um, I, I don't think he hasn't quite 
oh yeah he's trying to they they test out his flying and he starts floating he's like oh god no i can't stop <laughs> and he just like slowly floats up like like a hot air balloon and uh hits like a fl- flock of birds not like lethally they just they smack into him and just fly around him and he's just screaming the whole time like ah ah shit shit <laughs> and uh you know it could definitely a good thing they found like a wooded area to do this this is like straight out of that scene from the first Shazam. So Shazam, like like yeah. you you could liken that to that whole section. Well, once again, this is Mark Miller's Shazam. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, considering that this predated the the David F. Sandberg movie Shazam for the DCEU, um, you know, maybe something to that. Uh, I I I could see how. David F. Sandberg in reading different things for DC may have come across this as well and been like, oh yeah, that's actually kind of a, a, a decent modern day approach to it. Um, also considering that, you know, this is October and um, it's no accident that we're kind of covering this Mark Miller story as we transition away from it into spooky season because uh, you know, there's some fucking shit that goes down. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I've read stories like this, where, you know, you have uh, monkeys and wishes involved. It's <laughs> yeah. usually not good. I agree. I mean, the 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 symbolism is very evocative of the old story. I mean, I don't know how many people may be familiar with the story, the monkey's paw. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, for each wish, uh, one of the gnarled fingers comes down and it starts to form a fist. But the whole point is, like, you can wish for something and you'll get it, but you won't get it in the way that you thought you were going to like you say like oh i wish i had uh, you know three million dollars and sure you'll you'll get your wish fulfilled but you'll get that three million dollars because your entire family was killed in a horrible train accident as they were traveling across the country to get you know so everyone could get together for thanksgiving or something you know what i mean like it's 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 always like terrible shit like I wish I had super hearing. All right. Well, that that happens after you have your eyes fucking poked out like by a homeless guy on the street. Like, oh, well, you know, I wish I wish I had a giant cock. And, you know, you end up with a 12 foot chicken. But uh... (laughs) everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Are you a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic books? Then Epic Tales from the Sewers is a podcast for you. We cover the comic books, video games, movies, cartoons, and anything else turtle-related. We talk about the toys, we talk about the cereal, we talk about all the fun things about turtles that we love so much. So give a listen. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Check out Epic Tales from the Sewers, part of the Epic Airways podcast network give a listen dudes cowabunga is this podcast for you <laughs> you like how i work my way up to that one kids uh but that would really piss you off where you're like oh what if you just wish for a 12 foot penis well then you end up with a foot long pianist and you realize that the monkey's paw needs a hearing aid um <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh yeah so they they've been doing all this stuff and he's flying around and uh then simon goes towards the city and he just sees like all kinds of stuff getting effed up left and right with the buildings uh and he's like oh no this is this is not good and it's like oh yeah yeah i'm good good that you needed superhero superpowers to figure out that that was not good simon um and he it's basically like uh at this point i think it was a space station that was coming down and oh yeah yep it starts like taking out buildings little chunks left and right and uh he very publicly saves the space station from crashing down into the middle of new york city like right over the empire state building and um of course there's a reporter who's wearing magenta slash purplish clothes which like we get it she's supposed to be the lois lane type character uh and she's just like oh well i'm gonna get that friggin' story I, I will say though she's a redhead um so you got like a little bit of a lana lang lois lane thing going on it's interesting what he did with this character because for a character of mark Bellars, it's actually surprisingly deep for a female character yeah Which I, I thought was kind of like oh wow it's like all right he started out where she's as shallow as they come and he gave her some depth that i'm like that's kind of an interesting take so yeah. she's she's definitely not as vapid or or you know superficial as a lot of the characters in his books well you can kind of she she ends up being like kind of an interesting foil to simon yeah i agree because of the fact that he is so bitter um because of what how his body is betraying him uh and she like you said she seems very very vapid um very she's like a, in- a male fantasy version of a Lo- lois lane character yeah know? yeah exactly the the implication that she'll do anything to get a story like she's she's slept around if if that's what it takes to dress her actively you know yeah and, like, you and, know, and then stuff. you kind of get to a point where you realize like oh she this all comes from a place a little bit of like long-term insecurity but also she leans into the perception of her and that actually empowers her to be able to do her job more effectively than anyone else around her um which, which is a brilliant tactic on on her end because she, yeah. she's using that to win like pulitzer prizes and such yes and um or, or even pulitzer prizes because that's how you say that fucking word justin we're, we're gonna keep going through this every time <laughs> we talk about it. it's a pulitzer prize but uh so just just the highest award in journalism no bigs <laughs> but uh yeah she she really she really does like come around for the audience and she has not so much not just depth but humanity she has a lot yeah, more humanity than we're led to believe at the start of the story i mean she really starts off very much saying like i'm gonna get this story i'm gonna get to the bottom of it no bottom of it no matter what and uh we start to see that happening and thankfully there's some stuff that happens which seems terrible on the face of it at first that really fills in the gaps for her character and ultimately i think helps simon more over in the long run than than anything else 
Um, but now that Simon has made a public appearance as superior, he's going all over the place, trying to help uh, people all over the city as much as he can. And then he starts realizing like, oh, there's, there's more than just the city that needs help. And he can, he basically has Superman's powers. He can hear things and see things that nobody else can. Yep. Uh, he goes out and he saves a sub that's uh, about to, you know, go belly up. And um, <laughs> which was kind of funny because he pulls it up onto the surface on a beach and everyone's like kind of freaking out. And uh, even as superior, he's just like, <laughs> he goes, could somebody please get me a Coca-Cola? It's <laughs> like, that's awesome. <laughs> And and he just collapsed. And he's like, Sit, for real, could, <laughs> I could I could really use that coke. <laughs> and I've been dragging this thing for twenty minutes. I I was like trying not to read too much into this, but I'm like, okay, the physics of pulling something that big onto the water and there being people in the water right next to it. I'm like, come on. And I'm like, all right, Justin, it's a freaking comic book. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. It's a comic. Book. We'll just we'll stick with that. Uh, I don't. There's no need to explain crazy shit. It, it, it's a cool feat. Like uh, we're reading a comic where a boy with fucking multiple sclerosis became a superhero after a magic wish was granted to him by a space monkey. So, like, hey, they set the rules, not me. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know the rules of physics were thrown out the window, though. Yeah, exactly. You mean well, with the character? You mean with the character that flies and shoots beams out of his eyes? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Right. <laughs> Are those Cyclops beams so. that don't have heat, or do, you know, I want to know. Oh my! I you know that dude that pisses me off so much. Like I, so many people do not understand that Cyclops does not shoot laser beams. Oh, he Gail shoots. Simone, she trolls people on, uh, or she used to troll people on Twitter, and um, I don't know if she's on there anymore, but yeah, she used to troll people. She's like, they're hot, right? They're lasers, you know. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean the 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 movies did not help with that because they made it seem as though he had like heat vision and uh that's not it at all. They're concussive blasts. Like they it's energy that packs a fucking wallop. It could it could push you through fucking walls. Like that's that's what Cyclops' blasts do. They don't melt shit. They don't heat things up. And a lot of people just can't wrap their heads around that. You know, I think I think one of the best ways to think about Cyclops' abilities, and I know this is a little bit of a tangent, I'll get back to it, but uh, is the fact that you really need to look at Havoc's abilities on the other side of that coin to understand how the Scots, how the Summers Brothers' powers work. Because Havoc... He is essentially the same. Didn't they have a uh, um, uh, uh, TV show? The oh yeah, the Smothers Brothers. Brothers. <laughs> the Summers Brothers. One plays, uh, one plays with a yo-yo, and the other one shoots optic blasts. The Summers Brothers Variety <laughs> Hour. Yeah, I, I always remember from that flat nose, the tree climbing dog. <laughs> My God. Yeah, that's a deep cut. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But yeah, so in short, Scott Summers doesn't shoot heat out of his eyes. They're concussive blasts that would basically be like 20 times the punching, the peak punching ability of Mike Tyson. <laughs> you know, like, let's just put it that way. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's quite a bit. Um, and his brother, Havoc, is very similar in, in so far as like he also 
his abilities are concussive, but it's by by heating plasma. So he actually has like the heat abilities. And then you bring it a step further to Vulcan. You, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like for for each younger sibling, it's like a step up from what the, the proto ability was in, in Scott. Uh and don't even the less get me said started. about Vulcan, the better. Yeah, and don't even get me started on the fact that Scott he he actually was born you know his mutant ability he could control and it was a fucking head injury that prevented him from being able to to not wear ruby quartz visors and glasses but no 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 jonathan hickman you regenerated cyclops and he still can't fucking control his shit whatever yeah that's um, the reason they don't like to run like one of them but still yeah whatever. but regardless of all that i mean i do like the concept i think i think you know, it's a logical step forward because uh, that's the one thing about X Men that always. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, superior. Yeah, the superior Phoenix didn't fix himself. Whatever. Whatever. The, the fucking super, superior. Superior. So, um, <laughs> the kid is. You know, Simon's talking with his buddy, and he's like, you know, this is. I feel like you know. This is this is crazy. Why am I? Why am I being turned into this now? Like what you know what if what if this magic wish was the answer to like not just my prayers but a whole bunch of other people's i could i could fix america i could fix the world and you know did did the did orman the monkey you know it is orman an angel did he turn me into a superhero because america needed one right now and his buddy chris is like i don't know man i'm 12 years old i struggle with long division <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, Simon's just like, sorry, dude. And then we come back outside and we see Orman like a building away, kind of looking through the window and, and hearing their conversation. And he's like, an angel? That's hilarious. I'm afraid I'm quite, I'm actually quite the opposite. And he's got like a cheeky monkey evil grin on the last panel of the issue. And it's like, oh, well, that seems... That seems as though it's going to be a precarious situation that Simon's going to deal with moving forward. Mm -hmm. And dun, uh, dun. bump, bump, bump. And then we have, uh, we, you know, we have uh, the guy who plays Superior in the movies, Tad Scott, who Simon looks exactly like, having trouble because people think that he might actually be Superior. And therefore, like, there's all kinds of people that are actually like canceling stuff on him. Uh, including the next superior movie. Like, why are we going to make a movie when we have like a real superior now? It just seems like a hat on a hat situation. And, uh, you know, so that guy's, that guy's not having a good time. And well, they, they also bring in that he, he could be sued as well. Right. Yeah. They're, they're worried because people are conflating him with this superior character because they look and sound exactly alike. Um, and then we come back to Simon's parents' house because this entire time Simon's been gone and his parents have been freaking out. They, you know, for all for all they know, their, their kid's been kidnapped and the cops are not helping. They're just like, we don't want to cause you any undue alarm, but we think your son might be in the hands of a child molester, Mr. Pooney. <laughs> like, what? Dude, relax. You know, and... Uh, yeah, take a step back from 11, pal. You yeah, know? like, I mean, there's literally nothing to indicate that he's with a child molester, just that the kid's not there, you know? So, like, it's just, that seems to me like like a little bit of Mark Miller jumping to an extreme. Like, I don't think in a situation like that, a real-world situation, a cop would 
flat out say like, oh, we we think this is the case. Like we have there are several possibilities. You, you know what I mean? Like that's that's the approach I think that would be taken real world. Um, that's that's a bit a bit much. Uh, but we come back to the um, the reporter, which I I missed her name, but Maddie whatever. Madison Maddie Ma- Maddie and uh, you know she's she's just still working on trying to trying to get her thing, and she decides to drive her car full speed off a dock into the water, and she's like, "This is fine, this is fine." No, wait, I'm uh, this is not fine. I'm fucking nuts, and I'm really worried now that this dude's not gonna save me, and. Uh, Thankfully, at the last second, we have Superior grab her, and um, it's kind of funny because the panel that shows him holding the car, it looks like sort of the front angle of what you would think of as the cover to Action Comics number one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like the front angle instead of seeing it from the side. But also, I, I thought it was pretty funny that the license plate of the car is clearly kick-ass which was Mark Miller's like big breakthrough comic book at that point in time for superior, like his own independent stuff, not Marvel or DC. Uh, And he he gets a good job of drawing this car, by the way, I just want to put that out there because a lot of times you'll see something. It's like, what is this generic monstrosity or something like that? But really like the backgrounds in this are super extravagant. Oh yeah. It's such a good job on the art. He does well. He does very well. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we see that he gets her out of the car and, you know, uh, he's like, you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And, um, and he's like, what's going on? She's like, oh, your world exclusive interview. We're about to go on, go live on national television. And, uh, you know, he's like, uh, 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 what? Uh, He's uh, like, I don't appreciate your ruse. My what? Your ruse. (laughs) Are we really on TV? Miss Lane? I mean, Maddie. (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know they kind of talk to him a bit and you know they uh, they start with the you know who are you how are you doing this and how are you flying how do you get around so fast how did you raise a two-ton car out of the water and his uh answer was because i'm a superhero look at the costume like <laughs> what a very 12 year old answer and uh they, she says oh so you're a comic book character come to life huh and he says that's right so all those stories aren't just made up by writers. All those adventures are actually true. Some of them. And uh, how do you explain this perfect likeness to Tad Scott? Why do you look like the guy who played Superior for the past 25 years? I don't know. You have to ask him, I guess. Maybe Tad Scott got hired because he looks like me. <laughs> and then an old lady's like, that's a very good point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the reporter's just like, all right, come on. What's what's your angle here? Who's funding this whole thing in Simon's like, why does there have to be an angle? I'm here because I'm needed, Miss Knox. Maddie Knox, that's her name. It's as simple as that. I only want to help. And, you know, boom. <laughs> this, he, he flies away. And then we get, you know, you have to put all this into context. Superior had been created in the 1930s, a symbol of hope for the hardest of times. The banks had failed, unemployment was soaring, and America was on its knees when two cartoonists put pen to paper and helped us forget our worries for a while. He'd been out of date for as long as I remembered his old school values, never quite squaring with the modern world and its angst ridden anti-heroes. Beverly Hills cop, Annie Hall. But there was always something special about that big red boy scout. Something that reminded of reminded us of America at our best. 
Why did he endure? Because our country needed an unbeatable hero. Even death was impossible with those indestructible cells they gave him. Superior was created to help us through the first depression. Now he was real and getting us through the second. They didn't care where he came from. Here was Santa Claus, and we were all like little kids again. Okay, so basically he's he's inspiring hope, you know, yeah. you know, and that's something that's been sorely lacking the world over, not just in America, for a very long time. And and I actually like that Mark Miller uh, put that in there to sort of explain the reaction to to Superior's presence. Um, and and here's the thing: is I actually think that that's a commentary on how other people view Superman. I don't think Mark Miller views Superman as being out of date. I really don't. I think he he genuinely has an affinity for the character. He loves the DC characters. You can tell he was a DC kid growing up. And um, you know, for him saying like he's been out of date for as long as I remember, but you know, it, it's funny he's been out of date. But Mark Miller, he he made one of the most well-known Elseworlds stories, Superman Red Sun. And you can't make a story like that with the subtle nuances and differences and what we know to have actually happened without knowing that character back to front. You know, it, it's sort of like Grant Morrison doing All-Star Superman. Here's a guy who made his bones, cut his teeth with Vertigo, who incidentally was also Mark Miller's mentor. and crafted arguably one of the ultimate superman stories ever written and this coming from a guy who did like doom patrol in the invisibles and shit like really edgy hardcore stuff and then when he touches upon superman alongside frank whiteley it is one of the greatest love letters to the character and his mythos that anyone has ever seen you don't come to that point because you don't respect the character or even just genuinely like them, you know? So I think, I think a lot of people out there who, who feel as though Superman is simply that one dimensional, uh, he's always good and there's nothing interesting about him. There's, there's a lot more to it. That's like saying like, I joke around with you guys busting chops about Batman. Like, Oh, he's just a psychopath that dresses in bat pajamas at night. But like, there's a lot more to it than that, and I think the longer we go on, we start to see with like both of those characters, these archetypes, uh, that people, the writers and creators, they want to explore more of what makes that character tick, and it comes down to more than just like, oh well, you know, parents killed in front of him, and he has a lot of money, so we decided to do this. Like, what what does Bruce Wayne do besides be Batman? I think that that's a far more interesting angle. And we've seen a lot of writers try to tackle that more often. You know, what makes Clark Kent a more interesting person? Like, yeah, he's Superman, but he's also a very talented investigative journalist. How does his relationship with Lois Lane work? I think um, the issue of, was it Batman or Superman where it shows Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle go on a double date with Lois oh, Lane date. Yeah, by and Tom Clark Kane. Kent. That is probably one of the best explorations of every single one of those characters I've ever seen. And it's one issue long, but it gets to the crux of it, especially in modern times. Um, so, you know, it's not as, it's not as, as flat as a lot of people think when it comes to these older characters. 
it's um it's just a lot of preconceived notions based on what they they know from the tropes going as far back as the 30s 40s and 50s you know and he's a scholar of this too so he he knows this and it, it seems like he could at least mimic those sort of values if that's important to him yeah and i think i think he can i i, I mean th there's there's something to the fact that he's saying all this right you know out of date correct but who is superior in this book who becomes Superman, right? who, be, who oh, becomes Simon. Simon and Simon is a what 12 year old kid a 12 year old kid so how out of date is the is the values and in in actions of a character like that if a 12 year old boy in modern times is still looking up to that character mm -hmm. you see you see what I'm saying like it, it the juxtaposition it, it, it it's important to pay attention to it's it's a it's a it's a very subtle commentary and it just goes to show you like as adults it's really easy for us to be jaded but the kids who are first and foremost the ones that these stories should be getting made for they take it seriously and they do look up to these characters for usually the right reasons it's only you know as you get older and you you become cynical that you start to look at things in a slightly a skewed way just saying uh and that's that's clearly what we're getting from maddie as a character in in this scene here um which once again i i do appreciate because the the boomerang effect they have with her uh just to add real quick uh, i i like to note that he says you know uh superior was created uh to help us through the first depression now uh he was getting us through the second uh, this was in 2010, uh, if you all remember the, uh, oh, the yeah. financial crisis. Uh, the, bubble. the housing crisis and everything, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, housing market fucking... Well, you know, at least oh, well, we saved... At least, at least we, we fucking saved the banks with corporate welfare, kids. That's right. I got political for a second. Sorry. <laughs> well, it was more. It, it was the housing crisis, but it was also a financial crisis as well. Uh, it was an ethical crisis, if anything, guys. I mean, in in terms of that being a depression, it's it's just as much about greed and just as much about like setting up a system of you know glad handing and kind of uh, watching the backs of of people like shadily you know uh, with appraisals and and gifts and things like that so it's like it was more of like a depression of ethics so, the term is late stage uh, capitalism that's <laughs> that's that's what it is yeah well, the, trickle, it, it, trickle down it, it, economics doesn't work kids oh yeah, yeah. You know. let the rich keep their money and eventually some of that money will make its way down to us no no, no. the the way we get the money from the rich to make sure that everyone in infrastructure and everything is taken care of is and just if you know the lyrics sing along taxes ah eat the taxes <laughs> Ta taxes pay for everything and if the people making more money don't pay their share but the people not making anywhere near as much are paying more than uh the discrepancy is going to spill over and you're going to start seeing things like Oh, we're a bank and we need help and we need so much money. Please help us. And the government's like, fine, we'll bail you out. And then they give their fucking CEOs a $30 million bonus. Uh, what? That was not money meant for bonuses. That was supposed to help your corporation, right? No give backs. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you 
you know, so just, just saying, um, we're, uh, just to add real quick, uh, um, we, we may actually be, uh, starting to go through something like that again. Now, uh, I was just watching something where the interest on a two year government note is more than a 10 year note. So like the government's paying you more interest on a uh, 10 year. Uh, what is it? It's not a note. It's a um, T bill bond. Uh, bond. Yeah. bond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like 5%. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, but they said, yeah, something big might be incoming, but well, enough of that. Sorry. Yeah. That's yeah, another paradox so, unto itself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. So um, here we are and you know, we have, we have Maddie kind of saying all that and uh, the, some of those same dickheads from uh, Chris and Simon school are trying to pick on Chris right now when he's by himself, uh, this little redheaded shit and uh, superior shows up and grabs the, the redheaded bully. And all of a sudden they are in the North pole <laughs> and keep in mind, it's like springtime in New York city. They're in the North pole and the kids just got like a windbreaker on. And he's just like, please, I'm freezing to death. I can't breathe. And, and superior's like, quiet, man, I'm counting to 120. <laughs> Cause you know, it's, it's just like, you know, he's basically counting to make sure he gets him to the point where he's like almost going to die. And then flies him back to New York and um, oh, the kid's name is Sharpie and uh, superior hangs him on a, a lamppost. And he's just, the kid's like, leave him alone. You bitches touch this clown and I'll marry you. <laughs> and uh, you know, 10 minutes later, the two of them are eating, uh, you know, Simon and Chris are eating burgers on top of the torch of the uh, statue of Liberty and laughing about the whole situation. And uh, Simon's just like, you know, I, I feel like there's stuff in other countries I could do to help, like stop kids from starving in Africa and, and, and stuff. And Chris is just like, I don't know, where would you start? And and Simon says, I'm not sure, but I asked the president if I could see him later. And I said I wanted to work for him, which I would be like, of course, a 12 year old would say that. Don't ever fucking swear fealty to one particular government, dickhead. Ugh. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of like the uh, the the was it the second less known of, of blunders first being never engaged in a land war in, war Asia. in Asia. Yeah, <laughs> for real. <laughs> and uh, we have, we have superior at the white house and Maddie Knox is out there and um, you know, he sees her. He's like, Oh, good evening, Miss Knox. And she's like, I'm sorry. I definitely know the face, but I don't think I caught the name to which uh, Simon responds hilarious and just walks up the steps I'm like pretty droll for a, for a 12 year old kid, but I, I can dig it. And uh, the president is Barack Obama in this, which was, was pretty cool. You don't normally see like real world sitting, world sitting president. president. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, a legal, legal red tape there. You can't put a uh, media out there with a standing president in any sort of danger. So a lot of them steer away from it. And we did see the Spider-Man cover with uh, Barack Obama on it uh, close to this time. Bill Clinton also shows up in some of the death and return of Superman. Uh, oh, no books. kidding. Yes. Um, which uh, that was the first time I ever noticed that a sitting president was placed into a comic book. Which, I've seen I mean, Carter in some of the older ones, but I'm, I'm assuming laws changed, you know, back from then. Yeah. But uh, 
you know, we, we have superior speaking with president Obama and, you know, he, he's just like, Oh, you know, I'd like to talk to you about winning the war in Afghanistan, sir. And he's like, well, well, the war is a very complex and dangerous situation. Are you sure you can handle it? And to which he says, uh, yeah, sure. You want me to get Bin Laden while I'm there? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you 12 year olds with superpowers, fan rific. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Sharpie, the bully kid, he's seeing some of the stuff on TV screens uh, in a storefront window. And he's like, fuck this guy. He sucks. He sucks out loud. He almost killed me in the North Pole, but nobody knows or cares. And uh, all of a sudden, down on the sidewalk next to him is Orman, little space monkey demon. And uh, the kid's like, what the hell? He's like, hey, little man, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm here to help you get revenge on that freak. I can give you anything you want as long as you pay, pay homage to my dark and eternal master. Dick Cheney, I think, is who he means. Um, <laughs> it's like Larry Hagman. He's got three hearts already. He overpowered us. <laughs> and, uh, and the kid's like, I don't understand. What do you mean? And uh, the splash panel at the end is just, just say you love Satan. And, you know, there's there's that. Um, so we, oh, come on. I'm, I'm that's like my... right there is is such like a brian k vaughn moment uh, yeah isn't it <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> i'm you like is this that? is this ex machina <laughs> <laughs> like ex machina combined with why the last man yeah yeah very much yeah i mean that might be because you're automatically thinking of ampersand from why the last man the little monkey he but... is a different type of monkey but yeah absolutely yeah uh so let me uh in the zookeeper from uh from ex machina so, oh man, Ex Machina. That's a it's a good book, dude. That is a good book. We it, could, it's actually we, like timely too because it 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 uh, handles uh, a lot of these same themes. Yes, it does. Only it's Brian Kane Vaughn, so uh, it's it's handled well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we we have we have Superior um, in the Middle East, and he's going through and and just scooping up a bunch of resistance left and right, uh, and. The, the cool thing is the fact that he's going in there and he's doing it without hurting or killing anybody. You know, he's he's just rounding people up to essentially be arrested. So there's no deaths, no bloodletting, um, which I was very happy to see upon rereading this because it's Mark Miller. And I feel yeah. like he probably had to, like, fight every instinct he has to make it like a bloodbath in some fashion, like. You know, starting off with the best of intentions, but then somebody like pulls the pin on a fucking bomb and, you know, it just ends up almost literally blowing up in Simon's face. But uh, no, he the kid goes through and he starts he starts making good on a lot of the stuff he was he was saying he wanted to do, like genuinely Leo's help. favorite part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For real. <laughs> and and I just wanted to add, due to the size of this, this is definitely a uh, masterpiece or a, a third party. So yeah. saying they're pretty Optimus expensive. Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, overseas, uh, it may have been pretty expensive, Leo. Well, anywhere is pretty expensive. Oh, I thought you were saying it wasn't. It oh, wasn't no, no, no. No, I'm saying. Due to the size, it's not a standard toy. It's a uh, that uh, looks like that looks like 
the, Toys R Us exclusive. Uh, that looks like the Optimus Prime that my uncle Jason had when I was a kid. That was gigantic and fucking diecast. They they yeah. re-released it and it was uh, like one hundred and forty nine dollars at Toys yeah. R Us or something. Yeah, like like this guy, and he had the Matrix of Leadership in him. Yeah, this yeah. is the dirtiest part of the show that that reviews this. But we're we're basically trying to determine what action figure that uh, Simon found <laughs> in a uh, in a bunker in afghanistan <laughs> well no it's not it's not what action figure we know it's optimus prime from transformers it's yeah just which, which one. version of oh, the yeah, action no. figure like anybody with eyes in no, any kind of pop culture knowledge knows like you know autobots roll out <laughs> <laughs> and you will be rodimus prime <laughs> what no i don't even like transformers that much even i'm like <laughs> That that is one of the dumbest fucking names I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. Rodimus Prime. Ugh. Oh, what <laughs> strange comedy this is. <laughs> fucking stupid. Um, I gotta watch that yeah, movie today. <laughs> but yeah, um, we we but we see that we see that superiors going around and genuinely like trying to help everybody, um, bring food to people that need it, Red Cross help to people that need it. Um, he held, he lit in, 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 here's the thing. I like that. It doesn't look like it's not seemingly an authoritarian move. He actually, it actually says he helped the Russian government dispose of all of their out of date nuclear materials by tossing them harmlessly into space. It wasn't a Superman four quest for peace scenario where he's just like, Oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take everybody's shit. And that's that. Um, Magneto I mean, did the same thing. Like he, he took everybody's uh, nuclear weapons away. Yeah, there's another there's another book um, that I will cover in broad strokes because it's like 24 issues long. It's a, a, a limited series by J. Michael Straczynski called Rising Stars. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I I think that um, Rod Serling, uh, the writer and creator of The Twilight Zone, I actually think he would have absolutely loved Rising Stars as a comic book. Uh, I'm honestly surprised it has not been turned into like a limited series on, you know, like a, a finite 24 issue type. I mean, 24 episode type deal on like Amazon or or what have you. Um, not Netflix. Fuck Netflix. Uh, just because it, it really yeah. is good. And there's some really poignant stuff, but also badass shit. Amazon really feels like the place that something like that would land. But uh, J. Michael Straczynski wrote it, created it. Um, he is the creator of Babylon 5. Um, which was summarily ripped off and turned into one of my favorite Star Trek series of all time, Deep Space Nine. Um, he created the concept first. He po- he he shopped around. He actually pitched it um, to Paramount first. And while he was still trying to find someone to produce it, all of a sudden Paramount was like, hey, here's an idea for another Star Trek show. And it was almost exactly like Babylon 5. And they were able to push it out before Babylon 5 hit. So it looked like Babylon 5 was copying Deep Space Nine. It's a whole fucked up Oreo Hydrox type situation. I, I have my own reasons for not liking Babylon 5. But let me oh, just yeah, this. My dad not, loves it. <laughs> I've actually only seen bits and pieces, so I can't really speak to the quality of it. But, you know, like I said, it's Oreo Hydrox. A lot of people out there, when I say Oreo Hydrox, you may not realize Hydrox is the originator oreo is the copycat it's not the other way around 
Yeah, well, if Hydrox did it better, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? Listen, I think it comes. I think it comes down to the name. It comes down to the name, really. Like Hydrox versus Oreo. Like Hydrox sounds like a chemical you'd clean your fucking laundry with. It is true. I think that was that was someone's last name, though, wasn't it? Like that's where the cookie came from, or something. Uh, it just sounds like a combination of hydrogen and oxygen to me. But anyway, water. Well, it depends on the parts, <laughs> but uh, hydrogen dioxide. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. I mean, only if you choke on it when you drink it. <laughs> uh, that's water, kids. Um, so yeah, but, you know, Simon's going around having having a great time, saving people, changing people's lives for the better or superior. Um, he plays against the Heat for the Knicks and scores 883 points to their zero. And, um, you know, meanwhile, we have uh, uh, Sharpie figuring, trying to figure out, like, you know, what the whole deal is with this monkey offering him a wish. I did think it was kind of funny considering, like, how oh. seemingly... Sorry, just real quick. Uh, so the Hydrox was named in 1908. The cookie's creation was inspired by the purity and goodness with a name derived from hydrogen and oxygen elements within water because oh. water is pure. pure. Yeah. Wow. Okay. wow. What a what a fantastically scientific finger on the pulse. Terrible fucking name. <laughs> yep. They well, I mean, that's what I said. Hydrogen and oxygen, baby. Uh the uh, we see we we're moving along though, and we see that uh, Sharpie is really pondering what it was that Orman the Space Monkey said to him. Uh, interesting to note that this little psychopath is trying to figure out what he wants to do. Did you see the T-shirt he's wearing? No. Go, go to the, go to the next page, Leo. We didn't ask you, Kitty Cat. Yeah. You see the T-shirt he's wearing? Oh, Dexter. Yeah, he is wearing a Dexter T-shirt. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we see that Simon idolizes a superhero who does good for other people, whereas this kid clearly is into a psychopath serial killer. And like, and I know it's like, oh, but Dexter kills other serial killers. Yeah, he's still a fucking murderer. <laughs> like, he is, he is still psychotic. Like, you can't break away from that. Um, and the, but he's the, a good psychotic. <laughs> Oh, he's functional, you know. <laughs> functional, yeah. I wouldn't say good, you know, like the fucking code of Harry, pfft, whatever. Um, but uh, we get to we get to a point where uh, Maddie Knox is convinced Superior to like meet her at her penthouse apartment, and we get a very 1978 Superman the movie Superman showing up outside of Lois Lane's uh, you know apartment type deal. I'm gonna go for an interview, that kind of that kind of shit. Um, and it's all kind of leading to it. And she's, she's basically like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do what it takes to get this interview, basically planning on seducing uh superior, not realizing that in this scenario right now, she is the Elizabeth Perkins to his Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, very much. It's, it's very, very reminiscent of that scene from bigs big. Yeah. So um, the kid is there as superior. And then all of a sudden, Orman shows up and it's it's been seven days. This is this is the week that he mentioned previously in the story. And he's like, Your seven days are up. I'm I'm back like I promised. You want to hear what this has been all about? 
And he's like, what? Oh, my God. And he's like kind of stuck in place. He can't move. And then Orman says to him, I have to say I'm impressed. In a single week, you've turned yourself from a handicapped child into the most beloved man on planet Earth. You're living a life that others can only dream of, right down to the celebrity girlfriend. Oh, Maddie isn't my girlfriend, sir. She's just taking me out for dinner to apologize for tricking me a few days back. <laughs> what you do in your own time is of no is no concern of mine, young man. All I need to know is that you're happy with your new role. Do you enjoy being the Earth's protector? Or would you prefer to go back to the way life was? Are you serious? I used to dread waking up in the morning. But now everything's perfect. I love my life like this. I wouldn't give it up for the world. Good. And he, he turns right back into MS-ridden Simon 12-year-old body. And Orman says, that makes you easier to negotiate with. Orman, what have you done? And he falls ass over tea kettle, losing his balance. And uh, Orman says to him, what's the matter, Simon? You, you want to stand on your own two feet again? Fly through the clouds with a beautiful girl? Well, I'm afraid it's going to cost you, boy. Are you ready to pay the ultimate price? I don't understand. What are you talking about? Are you really this? I don't want to say that word, but are you really this R word? You really haven't guessed what I am. Sell me your soul and I'll make you superior again. And we got a whole bunch of demon looking fellows and what have you, which I'm guessing those are the entities we saw way in the background. Oh, that we're looking. Yeah, that makes in sense. The, yeah. in, in the galaxy quest type scene. And uh, Orman says, turn me down. And it's back in the wheelchair as he stands on top of Simon uh, and caresses his neck. And uh, that's when we realize, oh, this is all a bid for a Faustian agreement. Like, this is a Faustian deal. If you kids don't know what I mean, look up Faust. You'll figure it out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty messed up situation. And uh, that's when we come to the next issue. And Orman says, you have 24 hours to decide. Sell me your soul by tomorrow night or you're stuck in this pathetic body for the rest of your life. Oh, Jesus. What's wrong? You're the devil, aren't you? That's what this has been all about. Don't be ridiculous. I'm not fit to clean the hooves of our internal master. I'm just a low-level demon trying to keep his position after I've, after 500 years of abject failure. 500 years without a single individual choosing to sell me their immortal soul. It used to be easy back in the old days. Once upon a time, you'd have happily consented for a pot of gold or a beautiful girl. But now you're all worried about hell and damnation. People have forgotten how to enjoy themselves. That's why I had to be crafty this time. Give you a taste of what you could have. And then take it all away again. You said I got picked because I was special. I lied. You got picked because you were desperate, Simon. Don't be embarrassed. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm somewhat desperate myself, you see. That's why I had to pull out all the stops and grant the most outrageous wish since the dawn of man. Because if I don't acquire a soul by tomorrow night, I'm cast back down into the lowest pit. And believe me, young man, that isn't going to happen. One of the demons says, Show him what you really look like, brother demon. Let him gaze upon your true form. I gain nothing by frightening him, old friend. My disguise will suffice for now. To which Simon wells up and he's like, oh God. 
And they all just kind of, you know, he's like, no, go back to earth in your miserable little life. You know where I am if you want something better. And they all disappear. But Simon is still in Maddie's penthouse apartment. And she comes back out of the other room where she was. And she's like, superior. And then she sees the kid just like lying there in his pajamas still from what he woke up and Orman was in his bedroom. And uh, she's like, what the hell? And he's like, don't look at me. You're not supposed to see me like this. And she's, she's like, holy shit, wait. And tell me what happened to Superior. Where is he? And the kid's like, I can't. I'm not allowed to talk about it. And then she's like, oh, my God. is It's you. Jesus Christ. And she she's like, hey, it's okay. Come on. It's okay. And she actually like gives him a hug. And uh, then we get like a little bit of internal from her. She's like, I wouldn't say I'm the most maternal person in the world. In fact, I don't think I'd ever actually cooked anything at home before. But my housekeeper had enough stuff lying around to let me rustle up something decent for him. And uh, she's like, obviously, she's giving him pancakes. And she's like, is, are you sure this is good? And he's like, it's amazing. I've never been so hungry in my life, but I haven't been me in almost a week. My stomach's just completely empty. I'm sorry about lying and everything. She's like, what do you mean? And he's like, pretending I was a grown-up. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know how to explain this to everybody. And then she pulls out her tape recorder and she's like, all right, well, now you know lay it lay it down tell me what happens what happened and um and she she listens and she's like this is the biggest story in human history and i could barely hold back a scream as he told me everything the public had been begging to find out and he was just spilling his heart out for a plate of pancakes and some maple syrup when he looked scared i held his hand and when he started to cry i gave him a hug it was a pitch perfect performance and the whole time he was talking I was putting together my acceptance speech for the awards I was going to get. And, uh, you know, she, she's like, this story was everything. And I just couldn't believe my luck. And then he, he asked like, what should I do? And she's like, huh? He's like, should I, should I take him up on his offer or just go back to my old life? And she's like, I don't think it's my place to say anything to you. Yeah. You know? And, and he's like, but you said you wanted to talk. And she's like, well, I mean, I kind of just assumed you'd turn him down. He's like, but why? And she's like, it's your soul. He's like, yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's my soul. I, what do I care about it? It's, it's, it's something I, I never even really knew I had. Like it's, it's not even a thing. And I hate being me. I hate this stupid, pathetic body. And if I sell my soul, I won't be useless anymore. And she says, she thinks to herself, that's when it hits me. And I realize what my place was in all of this. Suddenly, I, I saw what was actually at stake, and it all became clear why our paths had crossed. Yeah. And uh, this is where we actually get the glimpse into why Maddie is an important character and, and is more than just what that, that glossy exterior we have been presented with. Uh, and she takes Simon to a place the next morning, and uh, she had to like give him some of her old clothes and he's like, I can't believe I have to wear girls jeans. It's like, all right, shut up 12 year old. And, uh, she brings him into a, a center. Not just girls jeans, true religion. Well, yeah, it's true. Yeah. She's like, those aren't jeans. Those are true religion. And, um, he's like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not here so you can put me in a hospice. And she's like, I'm not putting you anywhere. I'm showing you where I used to live. And he's like, what? And that's when she explains to him 
When I was seven years old, I was diagnosed with leukemia. I spent six months in the hospital and then two years in here before I could go back home to my mom and dad. I had 22 operations and half of my hip removed, but for the most part, I've been fine besides a relapse a couple of years back. They give me blood tests every month, but I've never let it hold me back. In fact, if I hadn't spent so much time in here, I don't think I'd have found my passion for reading and creative writing. I could have just locked myself away and lost touch with everybody, but I got off my ass and made myself into the person I really wanted to be. I might not be some indestructible superhero who's never going to die or get old, but I still live a life that means something to me. And uh, they come across a little girl who's clearly got cancer. She's, she's bald, likely from chemotherapy and radiation. And she sees Simon. And she says, how come you, you're on crutches? You break your leg? Uh, no, I, I've got multiple sclerosis. Oh, right. You like my drawing? Sure. What is it? And she explains to him, this is how I'm going to decorate my bedroom when I get out of here. My dad said I could get a keyboard when I go home, and I'm going to have it sitting right here next to my bed. I'm going to be in a band when I'm older. I want to be a speech therapist too, but I definitely want to do some kind of music thing. To which Maddie says, I know why you like being a superhero, Simon. You just want to be loved like they're loved in the movies. But you've already got that at home. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's when we get like the whole Josh Baskins going back to his mom at the end of Big Thing. <laughs> he goes to his front door and his mom's just like, oh my God, you're alive and relatively unharmed. You look like you could use a, f a few pancakes. Have you had any recently? Um, <laughs> and uh, Maddie... Oh boy, cakes. <laughs> oh, wheat cakes. Yum. Thanks, Aunt May. Uh, I hate saying aunt, but uh, regardless, uh, <laughs> Maddie's on the phone with her boss and she's like, yeah, it, it, it didn't go the way I wanted. And he, he, he canceled our date and uh, he's leaving Earth. He's gone. And that's what the headlines read. And everyone's just like, oh, no, what are we going to do without Superior now? Even though it's like been a week, like relax, kids, like you'll be fine. Um, but at Sharpie's place, Orman's there and, uh, he convinces, he convinces, uh, Sharpie to make his wish. And the next scene we see is Sharpie's parents, uh, mother and stepfather, uh, both strung up likely on the ceiling, uh, completely bloodied and, and broken. They're, they're, they're obviously dead. He killed, he killed his parents. And, uh, all of a sudden, you know, we see Tad Scott, the actor that we mentioned previously, and people are kind of giving him a hard time because Superior said he's, you know, the report says he's gone. But they're like, aren't you really Superior, though? Come on, man. Just fess up. And uh, they're like, no, come on. I, I came here to visit my cousin to get away from all this. Like, just leave me alone. And the next thing we see is a giant tanker getting thrown into a skyscraper and splitting it in half. And uh, people just running willy-nilly. And uh, we see Superior's arch nemesis, Abraxas, um, standing in the middle of, of uh, New York City. And he's clearly the one who threw the tanker. And Orman is, like, kind of at his feet. His and... arch enemy is a movie by uh, yeah. <laughs> the Body Ventura. <laughs> Wait, his arch enemy is the album by Carlos Santana? <laughs> All of those things and more, kids. Tune in next week. <laughs> um, Abraxas is actually also a, a Greek, uh, like a Greek character or something like that from yeah, yeah. Myth mythology. Um, 
like that a lot sounds of... like a cleaner also like hydrox <laughs> yes <laughs> my my arch nemesis hydrox let's just call him hydrox it's more the fun. great the great oreo <laughs> <laughs> my god uh anyway don't dunk him in milk that's his one weakness <laughs> no calcium <laughs> how did you know <laughs> but, uh, mother's love that's right we just uh, we just went through freaking <laughs> Ernest scared stupid <laughs> yeah and uh but he's got like a giant purple mech suit and he's clearly like very muscular and stuff so Looks kind of like a combination between like Lex Luthor and and Brainiac, kind of. Who's and, the uh, Who's the villain on um, the the Fearful Five on uh, Legion of Superheroes? Validus, <sighs> kind of a little bit like Validus because he does. You can't see his eyes; you just see kind of like that uh, that like toothy like venom smile. The fe- you mean the Fearsome Five? Fear is it Fearsome Five? The From the one DC. DC's Legion of Superheroes has the Fearsome Five, and Validus is like this big sort of hulking monster that, you know. Oh, Legion of Superheroes. Um, oh my god. I'm trying to think. Is it is it the Fearful Five? It's either Fearful or Fearsome. No, I, I, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh is it the fatal? It could be that too. Yeah. Well, hold on, just look it up. I, I, I just, I just remembered. I'm like, this guy looks like Validus a little bit, but he's clearly like a Brainiac Lex Luthor analog. It's the Fatal Five. Fatal. Okay. Yeah, with the Emerald Empress and and yes, what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let me see. Uh, Validus. That's who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Let me. Of course. Yeah. Let me click on his name, but don't give me a friggin' picture of him. Judas Priest. Where you go, interwebs? Oh, yeah, okay. I, I totally see it. Especially with the, the purple. Um, a little bit of exposed brain thing. But yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, maybe a little bit of inspiration there. Uh, but yeah, you got like you got like the three glowing purplish magenta dots right in the middle of the chest that's very reminiscent of Brainiac. And also just like the purple energy and purple suit. Uh, all together, like being the nemesis of this Shazam Superman hybrid type character, it's given off some Lex Luthor vibes too. Um, so you know, it's just like a, an amalgamation of a lot of different ideas and tropes, and nothing wrong with that. That's kind of the whole idea of these analogous characters. Um, but yeah, he is there to uh, to mess stuff up. And meanwhile, Simon's at home. The in the splash page we see at the very end of the issue with his parents and Chris and. You know, he's hearing uh, Abraxas say, like, yeah, you better produce Superior here right now or everybody's just going to die. Yeah. And we got Simon like, uh, what? <laughs> like, well, what am I supposed to do? And, and we, the last thing we see is Abraxas saying, what do you got to say to that? And uh, we come up on the last issue and uh, we we have, uh, you know, we, we we have Simon still needing to make a choice which is what Orman is trying to push him towards, you know, selling his soul to, to be superior. Uh, and there's just like a whole bunch of, of havoc being wreaked all over the place. And he says, you know, this is a job for superior. And we see like a lightning bolt strike to Simon's house, which is very, very reminiscent of Shazam and Billy Batson turning into the titular superhero. Uh, and all of a sudden, a rush of wind passed a lot of people, 
and we're like, oh, this is this is where it's going to happen, and we see what looks like Superior saying, "Leave them alone, Abraxas. I'm the one you wanted to fight." And they're like, "Oh, Superior, thank God!" And uh, Abraxas is like, "Get the hell out of here! You're not Superior. You don't even have a friggin' costume." Since when do I need a cape to kick your butt? Now, why don't you go? You and I go somewhere quiet and sort this out like men. This is bullshit. My scanner says you're totally lying. And, you know, basically he zaps him and it turns out it was Tad Scott, the actor, trying to protect everyone by stepping in and pretending he was superior, which straight up like badass. I love badass, man. Like for real, Uh, like didn't need to do that. And he's like, well, nobody else is going to step in to try to save people or help people at all. It's up to me because I'm the closest thing we got. Uh, that's a that's a real stand-up character. And for a guy that earlier in the in the story was just worried about his career and you know th- the appearances of things, and not and then we see he's just trying to get away and kind of sort his life out, and then he actually steps in more so than anyone else that we see, especially Simon. Like, yeah, his soul is is on the table, but this guy has no powers, nothing like that. And he stepped up to try to save everyone. Like he was, he was genuinely a hero in that in that moment. Um, and as soon as he gets zapped, he's about to get a, a bus thrown on top of him by <laughs> really the, him the bus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really threw him under the bus. And uh, it turns out at the last second, uh, Superior Simon shows up and stops the bus from killing Tad Scott. And he turns to Tad Scott and goes. Your movies are awesome, by the way. Dude's <laughs> <laughs> Tad Scott's just like, thank you. <laughs> and uh, you know, he starts throwing down with with Abraxas, and, and you know, it's it's exactly everything you'd figure. They're hitting each other, and it, the the shockwave from their blows are tearing apart buildings nearby, and they're throwing vehicles at one another, and you know, zapping each other with energy and, and heat rays and all kinds of explosions and pew pews. And um, it's cool. You know, we just that. oh, it is. It it really is. Like Lionel, you does a great job, and more so than the other stuff we've seen from Miller in these stories. Uh, there's good story and good substance behind what we're seeing. It's not, yeah. it's not d- being done for the sake of doing it, and also, um, it's keeping the focus on Superior and Abraxas, the two super powered characters, instead of showing innocent people getting torn asunder literally by what is occurring and part of that just uh also like i i think it has a deeper meaning than that because uh when i was reading this you know i wasn't seeing the two superheroes i was seeing this kid finally standing up to his bully just you know for the first time kicking his ass you took the words you took the words right out of my mouth because i was going to say and and going past that we we see Simon not just being there as the protector of everyone, but also taking a stand for himself, which he wasn't able to do with the same character in a non-superpowered form at the very beginning of the story. The one thing he wanted to be able to do, he is, and he but he's been forced into this situation. He he had to give up himself, his soul, in order to stop this in a gambit to protect everybody and and finally stand up to his bully i mean and that's really at the crux of what superman's creation was for 
is because Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were nerdy four-eyed kids that got picked on by a lot of people. Uh, and Superman, his whole thing was always the champion of the oppressed. Who's more oppressed than the weak? Nobody. It's always about it's always about punching up, never about punching down. And uh, you know, we see just other different people's reactions. Simon's parents, Maddie Knox, and they all understand what the the consequences of this could be. Uh, and you know, of course, Abraxas is talking all kinds of shit, like you know a body that can never age or die under earth's yellow sun or that half pathetic, that pathetic little half-life you were living, who wouldn't choose superpowers in your situation. And um, it's really important and, and we'll get to it, but like they keep describing superior in a very particular way, how his powers work, his indestructible cells and not being able to be hurt or killed. Um, they're throwing down. And in the midst of all this, Simon is still grabbing people to get them away from the carnage and save other people's lives to protect them. Uh, and that's the type of person Simon is and why he idolized superior versus this psychopath that Orman turned to, to force Simon's hand. And uh, we're going through and, you know, we have, we have Orman. He's, he's, he's actually like the one that he's fighting now. He's like the ultimate sort of like doomsday type character at, at this, at this particular time. Uh, and I'll, you know, it's just like, I'll turn this world into a graveyard and, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to get you to fucking blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to the lower pits of hell kind of deal. And, um, you know, Sharpie, meanwhile, saying like, oh, I laughed my ass off when you got that disease. You know, I thought these powers were supposed to make you super. Come on, fight back, Poonie. Do I have to kill your mom right in front of you? And, uh, then he just starts, he starts, uh, Simon starts fighting back hard and he's like, he rips off, uh, Sharpie's like protective helmet and energy just starts pouring out. <laughs> and Simon's great. He just goes, you shouldn't have mentioned my mom, dickhead. <laughs> and, and, uh, just flies him up into the stratosphere and, oh no, I'm sorry. He just, uh, uppercuts him. It looks like pretty hard. And, uh, he blows up, and unfortunately, some people do get killed by the fallout of of uh, Sharpie's explosion. Um, and he's just like, "Oh God, no! We can't let these people die!" And uh, that's when Orman's like, "Yeah, no, no, no! I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, level everything in the East Village. <laughs> I want you to head for that power station of Braxis, you know." And Simon's just trying to keep his head above water with the two of them, and. Uh, he grabs uh, like a rocket and that's, that's being launched and shoots it right at Orman. They're, they're really just trying to tear each other up. And um, he grabs a Braxis by the back of the neck. Finally flies him up into space and says, you know, I'm bringing you somewhere. I don't have to hold back. And Sharpie's like, what? I don't understand. He goes, you will. And he just starts molly whopping him in space, just beats him to a pulp. And uh, he's he's done. He's he's, he's dead. The, I mean, look at the guy. He's. <laughs> I don't even think he has much of an upper body left. I, I think he might have destroyed his head. Uh, I, I think, but um, you know, they they're shooting missiles at at Orman, and stuff's not not going quite the way Simon planned to. And uh, Orman's just like, 
All right, let's do this again. It might be impossible to actually kill you, but that doesn't mean we can't keep trying. This is amazing. To which Simon says, what are you talking about? I just smashed you into a thousand pieces and brain damaged Abraxas. Why the hell would you think you've won? To which a woman replies, because it's five minutes to midnight, Simon. And I, and I finally got what I always wanted. It didn't come cheap, but I finally bought my first human soul after 500 years of trying. To which Simon says, so I'm hardly going to miss something I've never even seen before. What's one soul compared to millions of lives? Oh, Simon, are you really so spiritually unenlightened? A human soul is the most precious thing in the universe. It's worth a billion lives, a hundred billion lives. You poor little boy. You've really no idea what you've just given up, have you? After 500 years of abject failure, they were casting me down into the deepest pit again. But this, this has secured my status for five more centuries. 500 years to wander the earth and maybe find another little crybaby willing to do anything to climb out of his wheelchair. To which Maddie shows up and she says, don't pay attention, Simon. He's got nothing. What? Ah, the girl with the childhood lymphoma. It's coming back, Maddie. It's coming back to beat you and you'll never be able to have those children just like you always feared. My goodness, you've done some very questionable things over the years, haven't you? I wonder if it's heaven or hell when that cancer puts you in the ground. I wonder where you're going to end up. Like I said, you don't own shit. What are you talking about? I swapped him superpowers for his immortal soul. I bought it fair and square, so don't tell me what I own and don't own. Yeah, that's right. You made him the most powerful superhero ever created. A character whose every single molecule is indestructible and impenetrable and undying and never aging under Earth's yellow sun. Every atom in his body is essentially immortal. And if Superior can never die, I just bought something I can never collect. Yeah, basically, you made a donation, asshole. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, sweet Satan, no. How much time do I have left? It's already midnight, Orman. And then all the demons show up, grab Space Monkey Orman, and drag him to the lowest pits of hell. To which Simon, all Bye. bloody. <laughs> Bye. To which Simon's standing over the closing pit opening and says, Oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> and he's like, How the hell did you figure that out? And to which she says, I'm a pretty smart cookie, you know, winner of two daytime Emmys. <laughs> and then. <laughs> Simon turns back into himself uh, with crutches and pajamas again. And, uh, you know, he's she's she's there, like comforting him. And he says, I'm just I'm happy being me again. And as far as people know, Superior died in that final battle. He defeated the monsters and saved the world. But in doing so, paid the ultimate price and sacrificed himself so that we could all live. And of course, you and I know that clearly isn't true. But sometimes I wonder if losing those powers was actually a blessing in disguise. Superior clothed the poor and fed the hungry, but as requests piled in from all around the world, I quickly realized it would never be enough. How could one man handle such awesome responsibilities? What would this have done to that 12-year-old boy? They mourned his passing like no one had been mourned before, an international funeral that brought the entire world together. He touched us all in a short time here, and as President Obama said in his memorial address, he made us all a little more decent just by his very existence. And, uh, you know, we, we see that people are kind of 
taking into account that that basic decency we're, we're getting lots of scenes of vigils and and people trying to adopt maybe a little bit of what it was superior was putting out into the world which is which is nice it's it's a much more hopeful note than a lot of mark miller's stories end on and uh then we find out that tad scott the actor uh in his movies became international phenomenon and of course this was partly because he was the leading man in the world's biggest franchise but it was also because of what happened in new york when he risked his life to save all of those people people loved seeing him on live tv squaring off against abraxas and so when it came time to negotiate his new movie contract the guy could practically write his own ticket to which they say a five picture deal sounds good to me what do you think harris so Tad Scott's career was was doing very well because of the fact that he acted like a decent human being when the time called for it and nobody else could. And uh, somebody came and grabbed Abraxas's body. It looks an awful lot like a warehouse that we've seen in other movies before. Yep. You know, top men. Top <laughs> men. <laughs> And uh, we see that, you know, Maddie is is kind of typing all this up that we're reading. Uh, and she's basically saying, like, I'm I'm going to finish typing this up. And then uh, I'm probably just going to have to hit delete because there's just no way I can share this story. It's not it's not really my story to tell, uh, which is great because it shows that she had integrity the whole time. And, and it, it this brought her humanity to the surface. Mm-hmm. And all it took was a knockdown drag out fight caused by a demonic entity uh, trying to get a little boy with MS, uh, his trying to get his soul. So good, good stuff on that. And uh, then we see that they're having a premiere for the latest, excuse me, for the latest superior movie. And at this premiere, we see Maddie Knox and she brought her dates chris and simon to to the premiere and she's basically kept in touch with him and like they became friends like she cares about the kid which is not something she may have been capable of doing at the introduction of her character within the story and the end result being simon comes to terms with what is happening to him it's not perfect but it is who he is and he's left himself and the entire world with a lot more hope than either one had from the onset of of this story being told and in true homage fashion as they're watching the superior movie at the premiere we get a shot of tad scott as superior flying over the crest of the planet with the sun in the background and then winking and smiling at the camera turning and then flying over back over the swell of the planet towards the sun and it finishes up with dedicated to christopher reeve and richard donner with love and admiration yeah it was a great ending you know and it was was. it was unexpected that it was going to end in the way that it did and after taking kind of a weird theological turn and all that you're like where the hell is this going to go but i mean at at the end of the day, it's like the unexpected, the unexpected uh, consequences here are that like they p- essentially proved religion as well, you know, in in this universe as well. So like Maddie and um and like uh, uh, what's his name, 
Simon, right? Like they went through this this whole thing, and now they know they're like, oh, there is an afterlife. There are consequences to our moral actions and all that, and we have like empirical evidence of that. So that's that's yeah. something that it's like that was barely even scratched upon the surface, but it's like. Of course, there's going to be these changes in these guys after this and all that. So it would be interesting to see, like, what happens afterwards. Like, how does she, you know, navigate life differently knowing that there is an afterlife? How do they all do it? What does Simon do? And I imagine he's told Chris and his parents and stuff like that, too. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. And, you know, I I think that he's going to pop back up in that. um, What was that? That book? Big game. Big game. You know? I think so, because from uh, for for anybody that doesn't know, like we we've, we've covered a lot of Mark Miller stuff the past several episodes. Uh, Mark Miller is doing like he has his label Miller World, which is like all of his stuff. You know, Wanted, Superior, Chosen. Uh, I'm sorry, not Chosen. American Jesus. They changed the name of the fucking book, and I I hate it. I hate Kingsman's that it's called American. There, I believe. Um, what what was that one? Kingsman, the Kingsman. Kingsman. Um, Huck. Jupiter ascending uh, is it? I don't no, know. Jupiter's like Le- Jupiter's legacy. Jupiter's legacy. Yeah. Um. Uh, this, basically, what it is, it's it's a huge crossover between a, a lot of the maybe not all, but a lot of the Miller World, um, stories. And considering not just this and some of the more super heroic type ones that we covered, but um, American Jesus. Uh, I don't know that we're going to cover it because it's not really an alternate reality tale. Uh, so I can I can recommend it, uh, especially the first volume called Chosen. I can't remember what volumes two and three are called. Three might be called Redemption. I can't I can't remember. Uh, it started off life as just being a four issue series called Chosen, and it's all about this kid who starts to develop some really strange abilities, and he's able to like heal people and bring them back from the dead and, you know, do things like turn water into wine, like that kind of thing. Uh, and it's, it's a really good story. Uh, but then like, he's like on the onset of puberty, so other stuff starts to happen too. And like, he, he has this girl that he really likes and really likes him. And she, they, he has his like first kiss with her. Uh, but when she kisses him, she like pulls back. She's like, "Oh my god, why do you? Why does? Why does you? Why do your lips taste so terrible? Almost like something's preventing him from from being impure, you, you, you know? And so you got this whole like messianic, you know, second coming of Christ thing going on. Uh, and you know, he's he's got fairly uptight parents and what have you." Uh, and you come towards the end of the story and you find out uh, he he is he is, you know, American Jesus. He's actually the Antichrist. He is the son of of Lucifer. And this is everything in his life has been leading him to very much. If you've ever seen the Omen movies. Yeah, I was also thinking of uh, Good Omens a little bit. A little bit um, in, in so far as like he's he ends up by the end of it becoming president of the United States of America. Oh, very so, much the omen. Yeah. Very much the omen, you know, part three, Damien two, two and three, you know, leading into political office, Sam Neill as Damien. Um, and, uh, but it ends and he's getting on air force one and it's like, it's harrowing. And he's like explaining 
because you see when he's a kid, like right around that time, like he's finally shown who he really is. And he, he is speaking to his father and it's, um, it, I mean, in Mark Miller fashion, it's not shown, but it's said, and it's pretty, pretty graphic, even just in what he says, like, you know, he's like, yeah, then my father, I, I was defiant and I was like, I'm not going to be your antichrist. I'm not going to cause the apocalypse and this, that, and the other thing. And he's like, and then he's, he's like kind of telling the story, almost like thinking out loud as an adult at this point, it's all, you realize it's all been kind of like flashback reminiscence in a, in a sense. And he's like, Oh, and then my dad raped me with all 18 of his dicks and then handed me over to his demon horde to do the same. Yikes. That broke me pretty quick. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you think? I, I feel like oh, by wow. dick two, you would have been broken. Uh, but he's like, yeah. After that, I was ready to, I was ready to play ball. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I bet. And you realize, like, his mother was like always so cold and and everything and detached because uh, she did, you know, she is his mother. She did carry him to term, but she was impregnated because she was raped by Satan. Uh, and it's like it's fucked up, but like that. It's really fucked up the whole thing, and like I said, it leans right into the way Mark Miller wrote stories, especially at that point in time. Um, that lines up with Superior because it's nice to have something that's a little bit lighter in in note, you know. And yeah, I think well, triggering. <laughs> I think I think that, like I said, as time went on, he got away from that shock value for the sake of shock value type deal. Um, I think with Superior, you started to really get uh, uh, closer to more hopeful stuff. He he also eventually ended up doing Starlight, uh, which is like a, an older Flash Gordon type story, which is, is a really good story and, oh, cool. and also very touching, very hopeful. Um, I wouldn't mind covering that at some point. Um, it's because it's they actually had to change the artwork for the main character because he looked too much like flash Gordon that they were worried about copyright infringement type stuff. Um, he also does Huck, which is very much a night. 19- oh, Huck was really good. Yeah. It's a 1938 style Superman story. Um, guy in like, you know, the, the Midwest Southwest area. And he has, all of your 1938 Superman style abilities. You know, he's really, really strong. He's really fast. He's hard to hurt. Uh, and, and that's pretty much where it ends. He can jump really far. Um, and he's kind of like trying to figure out why he is the way he is. Uh, and it, But these are far more hopeful stories. And they're the kind of things that I, I really wish we got more of from Mark Miller. Cause when he does them, uh, he he does them well. I think he needs to care about the characters in order to make us care. Uh, and I think sometimes, like I don't think he cared about Wesley Dodd in in Wanted. I you know I think he cared about Simon in Superior. He 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 really cared about this little kid. Um, and I think he cared about the little kids in the cancer ward, the 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 hospice that we saw too. Even though there there's one little girl there, but there's more. There's more attention and in, in sympathy given to that character than any of the characters that we saw in in Wanted or Nemesis. And, and this is the same writer that wrote Civil War. 
So it's it's kind of like what a what a crazy like spread you have there where it's like okay, Civil War is a seven issue issue run that's like become this huge linchpin in the Marvel universe and it's like this is a seven issue run and it's like it's it's similarly as hopeful. I think I think they both have really good endings, but it's like wow, what a difference in style. You know? Yeah, and and you know uh, proper do proper's uh, Civil War was not given it it was given short shrift in mainstream media because the fact that they just glossed over the immensity of that story to slap the title onto a captain america movie and really be so reductive in their approach to overall what that could have been like it's it's like somebody read civil war the entirety of the series like tie-ins included uh, by Mark Miller and all the other writers and artists for the 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 comic book story arc, and they were like, "Oh well, you know, Captain America versus Iron Man and different factions, and then we have Spider Man show up." So that's like the same thing. What? No, not at all. I mean, kudos to Mark Miller. He did the one thing that I thought made fucking. It's like one of those things where this makes immense sense. He made. Tony Stark, a mentor, and this was like before the movies. He made Tony Stark like a bit of a mentor, a father figure for an older, you know, a 20 something Peter Parker who didn't really have that for somebody who didn't end up becoming a supervillain. And then Peter Parker was like, you know what? I'm going to be legit, joined the Avengers and revealed his identity to the world himself. Like, I am Peter Parker. And there were a lot of people who were like awesome. And then a lot of people who felt absolutely fucking betrayed, like J. Jonah Jameson. He was like, I can't believe you made a fool of me for all these years by working for me and doing that. And, you know, to which Peter was like, uh, made a fool of you. Dude, I had to listen to you try to turn me into the villain of every story for years since I was a kid. Like, go pound sand. But the the importance of that story overall, like you said, to the Marvel Universe and if they had just left it the way it was, I think we'd be getting even better stories without having to reset everything constantly in Marvel Comics, regardless of what Marvel Studios does. Um, and it, it just goes to show, like, you have you have Mark Miller doing stuff where he clearly was able to work with people and come up with a really good plan for a story arc for mainstream stuff. Yeah. Uh, he, he cared about he cared about what was happening. He he really thought like this could have some really excellent story positives later down the line and uh you see that at work in some of some of the stuff since that point um i mean in the same breath you still have mark miller at that same time with lionel you i believe doing old man logan um and like uh, that- Stephen Steven. Oh, Steve McNiven. I'm sorry. Yeah, and right. he yeah, did, Steve. and he did uh, Civil War with him, and he did Nemesis with him. Nemesis, yeah. Um, but you know, you still have you still have like Old Man Logan being done, which is touching very much on the same kind of like edgy shit that Mark Miller likes to do. Um, but I think I think there's a lot there that that Mark Miller can do that has a lot of heart, and I hope that we get to a point where he's he's doing more of that. And it's not just ultra violent and crass for the sake of being ultra violent and crass. Uh, we'll we'll get to we'll get to cover a couple of those things later on. They're more hopeful, so it's not as uh, 
icky feeling as some of these things that we've covered. I do think Superior was a great way to kick off October and finish up with Mark Miller, Miller World for the time being, because like I said, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a Faustian agreement. It's a, it's a deal with the devil. And uh, I try to go with some, some spookier stuff when we hit this time of year. And uh, I, I feel like that's a good transition. I do recommend for anybody out there that, that likes, um, likes these pastiche type characters uh to to give it a go uh this this really is a good one seven issues that we buzzed through in just a couple of hours we didn't hit every single point because we want you to be able to to go through a panel by panel yourself and and really you know enjoy it for what it is we're giving you broad strokes um and you know with with that being said i i really enjoyed it i i hope you guys did as well what a palate cleanse! Yeah, as it was, it was a lot better than um, I the was. Other books. I liked it. I I did this on purpose. It was all it was all a ramp to to this particular story. It was like I know, I know that wanted is like fun on the face of it, but when you get into the nitty gritty, it's like oh, the pastiches are great, but like what the fuck? And then you get to Nemesis, and it's like this is it, it's like the worst. I wanted to I wanted to ease into like kind of the idea of what he does. And then Nemesis, I fucking hate, like, I don't like it. I really don't. It's- the second, the second comic series was a lot better. I'll say, I'll say that like, as opposed to the first one, like the art from McNiven's awesome in the first one, but it's so just like, like you say, edge Lordy and like, like tongue in cheek and just like overtly gross in, in a lot of points. And it's just like, eh. I still don't understand how that woman and her child ended up in front of the fucking, turned tanker in the tunnel like it just doesn't make sense to me but regardless of all that it was done on purpose to get it to this point where we ended it with a a, a hopeful superhero um pastiche story that you didn't even have to read nemesis so it's like (laughs) i know consider yourself lucky pal yeah but uh, uh, that's all right, Leo. Look, legitimately, like very soon, you're gonna have to read some Fantastic Four shit because yeah. I'm gonna make because I'm gonna make <laughs> I'm gonna make you read a story that heavily involves a pastiche. So, gear up. Read the fucking book that I got you yep. at Terrificon. For anybody that wants to know, I bought him the Marvel Masterworks oh, Volume yeah. One of Fantastic Four. Yeah, hold it up for everyone to see. It's it's propping up his coffee mug right now. It's... <laughs> Sweet Aunt Petunia. <laughs> yeah, uh... right, right there, man. I'm telling you, just yeah. e- even if you want to read like the first fucking issue, that would just be fantastic. I I started reading it. Oh, okay, good. So you've had a few questions answered. Oh, Ben Grimm is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she turns invisible. That makes so the invisible woman name's not just uh clever. All right, I get it. Um, <laughs> so she she's not just like really quiet and shrinks into the background. Ah, nice. Well done, Stanley no, and Jack Kirby. Shrinking Violet. <laughs> uh, shrinking Violet. We're bringing it back to the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, I know. Again, huh? <laughs> we're going. We're going. We're going places today. We're jumping to the 31st century, kids. Come with or don't. It's fine. We're not really going. Uh, there's that word again. Anyway, um, so overall, uh, I I give this one. I give this one like a solid B plus. I I really do. Um, it seems it gets a little rushed towards the end, um, but I do appreciate that he seated continuously saying how indestructible 
superior was throughout the entire story. So when you get to that point, you're like, oh man, like he really made a point to drive that home for the for the audience, for the reader. Yeah, it's like a uh, Greek epiphany, you know. I would not be surprised if this is one of the next projects that we see Netflix tackle for Miller World. And I hope if slash when they do it, it's done as a limited series. Like do it as like a few well, it's Netflix, so it would have to be because otherwise they're just going to cancel it. Well, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm no, I mean, you say it, it would have to be. I mean, like straight up, like it needs to be designed from the onset as a limited series because I really enjoyed the comic book Jupiter's Legacy that Mark Miller did with Frank Quitely. Um, and they made it into a, a series on Netflix and they canceled it after one season, which yeah. was a huge disservice to the comic book as, as it is. Um, I do recommend checking that out. Well it, cast too. it was very well cast. I mean, Leslie Bibb, um, Josh Duhamel, uh, any number of people in it really, I mean, in, in the girl that played Chloe in it, like they cast her well because she looked exactly like the way Frank Whiteley drew her in the comic book, which is saying something because Frank Whiteley draws people looking weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do recommend that one. It, it's uh, it's one of, it's one of the better from the ground up world building type stories that Mark Miller has done. It, there is like a fair amount of ultra violence and what have you in it, but it definitely harkens back to the idea of like pulp comics, pulp heroes, uh, and the dawn of the superhero in the the 30s and 40s. Um, but aside from that, uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back in just a couple weeks with a, another episode. Uh, you can check this out. Uh, comicsparadox.com, uh, Good Pods app, and anywhere else where fine podcasts are broadcast. I'm Powerful Brandon. You can check me out uh, on this and the Dork Night uh, with these two gentlemen where we talk about uh, all things Batman. It's a lot of fun, particularly for them. They love talking about Batman. It's fun yeah, for me do. because I like making fun of them because of how much they love talking about Batman. <laughs> uh, and uh, occasionally, like, we're, we're kind of working on some stuff. Uh, I've, I've recently, in my personal life, changed some of my scheduling around work-wise. Uh, so I'm not showing up as much on Wednesdays for Midweek Geeks, but it's still a really fun pop culture show. We cover everything that happens over the past week and, and you know, what have you. Just talk about different topics and, and sort of dissect things there. Uh, aside from that, it, you can check me out on social media at um, on Instagram at ThisBrandonHasPowers uh, and on Twitter at Brandon's Powers. Uh, you can also check out Comics Paradox Podcast at comics paradox podcast on instagram uh and these two fellows will tell you all kinds of stuff that they're into into and where you can find them let's hear from justin first everybody you can check me out on the epic tales from the sewers podcast um you can find epic tales from the sewers.com to talk about all kinds of things that are tmnt check me out at the facebook group epic shells and um, the other podcast that I have is all about music, and it's called the Generation Playlist, where we actually generate a playlist based on a certain um, genre or artist. Nice. Excellent. And uh, Mr. Leo, Mr. Leo, tell us where we can find you, sir. Yeah, and just a correction, that was Justin Cooper, not Justin First. And I... <laughs> <laughs> a firsty in agreement wait no that's not right <laughs> i'd sell my soul to take that back oh no it's good. 
but yeah, uh, Dork Night, you know, uh, definitely we're going to have a lot of fun soon because uh, I'm going to have uh, Brandon Reed fail safe. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, fun, damn. Fun, for, fun for everyone but Brandon, apparently. <laughs> uh, where we'll see Batman uh, Space Jump. Uh, but yeah, you know. <laughs> fucking christ i mean <laughs> go ahead leo uh but yeah i i do a bunch of stuff uh splash pages on tuesday midweek geeks on wednesday uh still token with also on wednesdays uh but uh yeah head on over to the dorkening.com you can learn more about me there and uh the podcast network a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff and uh yeah that's about me all right well thanks everyone for checking us out we'll uh we'll catch you on the flip-flop and until then you know, keep a, a good thought in your head, a, a song in your heart, and a jelly donut in your glove compartment in case you get hungry while you drive. Excelsior! Bye, Excelsior, true believer! I can't get over this. So the only thing left to say, of course, is the one obvious thing. Excelsior! Excelsior!